please exhale. And now let's begin. Welcome to the Science of Light. I'm your host, Rosemary. If you're interested in exploring holistic wellness topics through a perspective that blends spirituality with science, I think you've found the right place. And I'm so grateful that you're here. Let's figure out this life thing together. Always keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Science of Light. Today's episode is just a random um, something I've been thinking about. It was not in my episode plan at all. So if you listen to my other podcast, the Yogi Scopes podcast, where I primarily go over um, astrology, yoga practices for the current astrology, I mentioned this in the intro there, but like I said, I know there there's some overlap between the audiences, but I don't like expect you to care about astrology to enjoy this show. Um, it's my intention actually that I don't want to push astrology on you if you're not into it because I think um, one of my major points of this show is making a place where we can have evidence-based, you know, spiritual stuff. And to some people, astrology is just too far out there for them and that's fine and I won't push it on you. But anyway, so you don't have to listen to that show. I'm just going to recap. But if you do, this is a recap of what I said in the intro over there. But um I took a surprise week off again last week um, because my kids' daycare was closed for COVID exposure. We were fine. We didn't get it. They just have to close for 10 days. And so it kind of threw me all off, of course, as it does. Um, but you wouldn't have known that because I had, as I've been telling y'all here, that I've been preparing for maternity leave. I've been trying to get episodes scheduled out ahead of time. And I had last week's episodes already done and scheduled to release. And it was my plan to like continue spending time getting more and more episodes, you know, um, just recorded and scheduled. So they'll just release on time. And then I took a surprise 10 days off and now I'm behind. And so in coming back, um, I was like looking at my episode plan that I had and I was like, it's not really feeling like what I want to talk about this week. It didn't feel super aligned for me. Um, and so I asked my Facebook group, the yoga plus astrology Facebook group, that is where you can most easily find me on social media. I check Instagram like super sporadically, but definitely not every day, but I'm on Facebook every day and I don't post in that, um, group necessarily every day, but if you were to post in there, I would see it at some point during the day, probably. Um, so that's the easiest way to get in touch with me social with social media. It's where I'm most active. I haven't actually posted on my Instagram since like December. Instagram's like exhausting for me. I don't know. It's just not my thing. I'm not hating on you if it's your thing because you probably don't use Facebook as much as I do. But um, so I'm just telling you that's where I'm, I can be found most easily. So just also FYI for when I take a maternity leave, you should join that group because I will still be in there periodically because I use Facebook for my own personal social media enjoyment. Um, so that's where I can be found more easily than Instagram. I use Instagram because I'm like quote unquote supposed to as a online business owner, but I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. So I don't get on there like I should. Um, so I asked my Facebook group anyway, roundabout story, if they were feeling as burnt out as I am, cause I'm feeling super burnt out and So I was like, that could be because I am like just mere weeks away from giving birth. So that's exhausting, but I'm also still working and I have a toddler and I was like, I have all these things going on where it would make sense that I would be exhausted. But I've heard a theme from people around me, like my friends, as well as, you know, people that have had astrology readings with me recently, that there's kind of like something big And I wasn't sure if burnout was the correct word for most people. It feels like the correct word for me, but I wasn't sure if it was the correct word for, you know, everybody because it seems like we all can kind of feel something um, coming, like we're in this liminal space and it's not just me. Like I'm totally, definitely in the liminal space because I'm about to give birth to another child and that is on the precipice of something huge for me in my life. But the consensus that I get from everybody is that like, so is everybody. And that's what the astrology says too. And again, like I won't go into that here because I don't care if you care about astrology or not. If you do, I I talk about it 
on my other podcast that's just called Yogi Scopes. Um, but even people, you know, so in that Facebook group, I asked, I was like, are, are y'all feeling burnout or is it something else? Would you like, you know, an episode? So this is why you should be in the group because that's where I ask those kind of questions. I guess normal people do it on like Instagram stories, but I don't really know how those work. So I know how a Facebook group works and that's what I use. <laughs> and, um, so I asked in there and a few folks responded and said, yes, it was burnout for them too. And that it would be helpful to learn yoga tips for burnout. So here's this special episode that I was not planning on releasing. I still have some cool interviews coming up to release. So maybe actually some of those interviews will kind of carry this podcast a little bit through my maternity leave because if something falls by the wayside, I've mentioned this before, but I'm, I just really don't want it to be a surprise for anybody. So I'm going to keep mentioning it. If I fall off because like, for example, I have all these plans to get everything ready for maternity leave, but I already also have a toddler. So sometimes my plans, the universe just laughs at them and is like, why do you keep trying to make plans? You know, <laughs> it feels like the story of my life even before I had a kid. Um, you know, our best laid plans. Anyway, um, so so it seems like even though I have a plan in place to try and have episodes ready to go to carry through maternity leave, it just might not happen because um, I'm. it's kind of out of my control at this point. I could, you know, give birth early. My kid could be out of daycare again. Like all these things, like I'm doing my best, but it might so happen that I don't get it all done. And that's actually really relevant to this um, podcast episode today. Like I'm going to let my mess be my message a little bit um, here. Which I try to do. Like I try not to just talk about myself just to talk about myself, but it's like for a reason, like to, to show you like this is how – I use yoga and or astrology to work through this and give you some ideas if you're going through something similar, you know, whatever. So anyway, so it just might ha it might so happen that I just fall off and this podcast doesn't get released for a few weeks or several weeks even um, because I still don't know what childcare is going to look like for me after my new child is here. Um, so there's a lot of unknowns and... Um, you can find me, and this is why I bring it up, is you can find me in my Facebook group. If I just fall off, just know that I'm coming back. Um, and the best place to get updates will either be in my Facebook group or I plan to start doing wisdom talks. I've mentioned that before, and I usually link it in the show notes under my social media section where you can find, because it's a social audio platform. Um, so you can find me there, or I may just be more active on my Facebook group so that people don't have to go and get a whole new app if they don't want to. But so one of those two places will be where you can find me for sure while I'm taking maternity leave. Um, but I just want to, you know, that kind of leads me nicely into where the idea for this episode came up because as I came back to work this week after, you know, a surprise 10 days off, I was feeling really overwhelmed um, by all the things that had piled up in the surprise days off, because during those days, I'm like, kind of in survival mode, you know, I'm taking care of a toddler, who requires like pretty much all of my attention, but I also like do a bunch of stuff. So I have to reschedule all that stuff. So nothing productive gets done, because any time that I'm spending not focusing on my toddler is has to be focused on like, oh, I had this class to teach today, do I have a sub and it's kind of like taking one things at a time, you know, and so whether or not you have a toddler or things like this happen to you, um, I think the, the unknown factor and the, um, the feeling like you just have more to get done than can be done in the amount of time you have, uh, whether that's in a day or a month or like whatever deadline it is um, for you or deadlines, it, that those things lead to burnout. And so I'm gonna kind of get into the weeds a little bit into the nitty gritty of all these terms, because as I was reaching researching for the episode, you know, as I do, I remember in my yoga therapy training, we have gone through um, one module that was primarily about mental health. So I have some yoga practices for depression. Um, and I actually like I plan to do an episode about this sometime around the holidays, but it just never came to fruition. So just be on the lookout. Like I will at some point start doing episodes related to the things I've learned in my 
yoga therapy training, like yoga practices for whatever ailment. So anxiety, depression, um, you know, uh, back problems, whatever. Like, so, so those, those will come and I will touch on the depression piece a little bit today because it is related to this conversation. So I just need to get into the nuance of the terms because it's kind of important. Um, so burnout is one thing. And so and then I was going to say like the other thing we've covered in my yoga therapy training that I kind of thought was related to this was yoga therapy for adrenal fatigue, which is um, your adrenals are some, they're endocrine glands that are located on top of your kidneys and they're related to your stress response in that they produce adrenaline. And there's this idea that um, if you get too chronically stressed that your adrenals get like fatigued because they're overworked. Um, and the medical world kind of scoffs at that and they're like, that's not true. That's not what's happening. And so maybe it's not. Maybe adrenal f- fatigue is like a misnomer and it's a misconceptualization of like what's actually happening, but the symptoms are very real. So I, I really wrestle with that one. You know, like I was saying a few minutes ago, as a person that wants to, you know, I enjoy yoga, I enjoy astrology, I enjoy all those, you know, quote unquote, more woo woo things. And I think there's a lot to them. Um, but I also like to be evidence-based. And so I wrestle with that one because I'm like, just because we haven't quite figured out what's going on with somebody who might feel like they're experiencing adrenal fatigue, um, like they have all the symptoms. If you look up what adrenal fatigue is, um, which I'll get into in a moment, it it kind of it pretty closely resembles burnout. Um, so that's why I'm just going to talk about burnout instead. Um, but I'll I'll continue to explain all the nuances of these terms because I want to be. Um, precise, I guess, is pretty important to me. Um, so adrenal fatigue might not be what's really happening. Like there's quote unquote, no evidence that your adrenal glands can get worn out and stop working. Okay. Um, but I just want to pause for a moment and like reiterate how evidence works in the science community. Um, Saying there's no evidence for something doesn't always necessarily mean that it's not true or that it doesn't happen. It just means they haven't done a study to prove that it does yet. And that's as much as I'll say about that because I didn't look into any of the studies at all to see if, you know, sometimes, sometimes no evidence for something means there is actually evidence to the contrary. And I don't know if that's the case here. I don't know if there's evidence to the contrary that adrenal fatigue, like evidence saying that adrenal fatigue does not happen. Um, so I just think like that feels kind of pedantic, which side story, like somebody once called me pedantic and I didn't know what that meant. I had to look it up, which is funny. Um, it means nitpicky, uh, basically. So that feels really like nitpicky, but, but I think it's important because, um, if you're like, okay, I'm experiencing what feels like adrenal fatigue and you go and you look it up or you go to a doctor and they're just like, that's not a thing, you know, that feels really like shitty. And you're like, okay, what am I going to do with these symptoms though? Right? Like of exhaustion and like, um, lack of interest in the thing, you know? So, so that can look like depression and actually, so burnout and depression, are not the same thing, although burnout can lead to depression. So that's why I'm I'm just going to briefly touch on depression because I think also some of the yoga practices can be relevant here. Um, but burnout is not depression, but it can feel like depression. But the difference is um, depression has more... It There are more things to depression that burnout doesn't encompass. So maybe burnout is like baby depression. And if you were to stay burnout too long, you would probably get depressed, you know? So this feels like a good place to just say that I'm not trying to diagnose you. I hope you are not using this podcast to diagnose yourself. I just want to get into the nuances of the terms for the folks that, um, 
care because I a little bit care and, um, but I think, I think, you know, kind of leads me into my next point and it comes from Brene Brown's work, actually her most recent book, Atlas of the Heart, which is just a book full of just emotions and emotional experiences. And if you've been around on this podcast for a while, you know how much I talk about how important understanding our emotions are for healing trauma. That's actually was kind of the crux of my whole undergraduate research. Um, I've, I've spent a lot of time studying this about how um, trauma and going through traumatic experiences leads to a disconnection from our emotions because the emotions don't feel safe. Um, and there's, that's the simplest way I can put it. Um, I did some very early episodes where I kind of talked about that a lot, um, about emotional awareness and how its role in healing from trauma and how yoga practice gives us a container to feel safe in experiencing our emotions. And that kind of just applies to everything. And I'm just taking that concept and applying it to, lots of different experiences and that's what that's what I do in these episodes like when I do you know an episode for yoga for whatever condition and I'll continue to put these out um so this one is like yoga for burnout um the nomenclature is important like naming what emotion it is and being um specific about what it is you're experiencing is important in understanding how to approach it so that's why it it is kind of important to understand all these different things, burnout versus adrenal fatigue versus depression versus just regular stress or overwhelm. And so what I want to focus on is yoga practices for burnout and or overwhelm. And so I think you could also apply these um, concepts to adrenal fatigue, but just with the caveat, I told you that the medical world thinks that that's not a real thing, but I think it could be. I think it warrants more investigation. I think this is just an opinion I hold that we don't understand hormones well enough as a collective society. I know we have endocrinologists and everything, but like I harp on a lot, yoga therapy is to kind of put all the pieces of the puzzle together. And I just think that everything is like isolated. Like I think maybe the adrenals don't get tired and quit working, but there's got to be something that happens when we are in a chronic state of stress for too long, and it might not have to do with the adrenals specifically, um, but we do know actually, and this is another thing I talk about a lot, that when you're in a state of stress for too long, i.e. you're in the fight or flight mode, you're in your um, sympathetic nervous system, you kind of have epinephrine and adrenaline just firing all the time, making your heart rate higher, making your breathing rate higher, it leads to all of these negative health outcomes like heart disease and um, all kinds of other stuff. You know, it can cause digestive issues because when you are in fight or flight mode, your your body is directing blood flow or in yoga, we would call that prana, like life force energy, blood flow of full of oxygen and nutrients away from your digestive tract and towards your skeletal muscles in case you need to fight or run. So that can cause digestive issues. We know this. Like we know there are problems that come from being stressed out too much. And we know it has something to do with hormones. So what I'm saying is I don't think we should just throw adrenal fatigue to the side as like, well, that's not a thing, right? But currently there is no evidence to support that it exists. And I hope I did a good job of explaining what that means. I hope you kind of understand a little bit. That no evidence doesn't mean it's not a thing. If you are experiencing what feels like adrenal fatigue, your experiences are real. But um, the medical world doesn't understand it that way, I guess. Um, So we can look at it from a standpoint of burnout or overwhelm because the medical world does recognize burnout. But here's the caveat with burnout. There's always something, right? Burnout is only recognized as a diagnosis when it comes to work-related activities. So it's characterized by a feeling of disconnection or lack of interest, lack of motivation in your work that can come from being overworked, having too much to do, blah, 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 things like that. So, and it looks very much like depression, like it manifests very much like depression, like loss of interest in activities that used to interest you. 
um, just feeling chronic fatigue, which I think is where the adrenal fatigue comes from. So that's why I think adrenal fatigue is like your adrenals are overworked, so you get fatigued. And the medical world is like, well, it's not that simple, so we're just going to say that's not a thing. And of course it's not that simple. But um, so I want to talk about this from a standpoint of stress versus overwhelm, which I'm totally just getting this from Brene Brown's work because it's a really good explanation in the book Atlas of the Heart. So when you're stressed is when you have like a lot of shit going on, right? Um, But you can kind of find a flow in that. And you might actually, you might experience some of the symptoms of stress, like some of the symptoms of being in fight or flight mode, Um, like, which is actually good for you. You know, you don't grow without stress. You don't build muscle without tearing muscle that like that kind of concept. Like we can't just never be stressed ever. We have to be stressed sometimes. It's okay. It's healthy to be stressed sometimes. What it's not healthy to be is chronically stressed and always in a state of overwhelm. So overwhelm is when you reach a state of stress that you just feel like you don't even know what to do. Like when you're stressed, you might feel like you have too much to do, but when you're overwhelmed, you just like can't even see the way out. It's just like, um, Brene Brown used a restaurant example. Like if you've ever worked in food service, um, when you're stressed, you can like ask for help and you know, kind of what help to ask for. But when you're overwhelmed or burnt out, you might just feel like you don't even know what to do or where to start. And the only answer for overwhelm is to take a step back and breathe for a minute or 10 minutes or a day or whatever. Like it can look different ways for different, um, different scenarios. You know, the answer is not always the same for everybody. And that's one, another thing I like to kind of harp on. That's why I use yoga therapy and astrology because we can find an answer tailored for you. Um, I can give you some general ideas on this podcast, but in a session with me in either yoga therapy or astrology session, we would get into the nuance of, of really what it's, how it's showing up for you. And we would find a good answer for you personally. Right. But, um, so overwhelm is like, you don't even know where to start your, um, faculties, I guess are overwhelmed. Like you're, you just can't like, it's like shut down status level of stress where you're just not being productive. And so when you get to that point, you have to take a break. So sometimes when you're stressed, it can benefit you to kick into high gear, ask for help, whatever, do all those things. But when you reach a point of overwhelm, um, the only answer is to take a break and take a breather and recenter yourself. Um, and burnout, to me, kind of feels like the same thing, and it's recognized by the medical world and psychology world as a real diagnosis, quote unquote, but it is supposedly only related to work related things. But I'm here to tell you as a parent, I feel like I feel that related to parenting um, and work just taken together. It's just like a lot like um, maybe I'm feeling that way right now towards the end of pregnancy and still trying to work and parent my toddler and do all of it at once. It's just it feels like a lot. And so earlier this week, I was feeling overwhelmed, like I didn't even know kind of where to start to to get back on track after a week and a half off. And so there's just some examples for you um, to kind of understand what it is we're talking about um, specifically. And then I'll get into, of course, the yoga philosophy around what, what or why this might be happening and then tips from astrology and yoga practices to help work with it as always. So just to be clear, I titled this episode Yoga for Burnout, but I hope I've thoroughly explained all the nuances of like burnout, depression, um, stress and overwhelm. Like these techniques from yoga and astrology can help combat kind of all of those things. And I'm not the one to diagnose you. You can, if you need a diagnosis, like for depression or something, you can get that from like a mental health professional or something. Um, or maybe you already have it, but just know that if you are experiencing, um, like a lack of connection with your work and your daily activities, whether that's a depression level or burnout level or not, or just feeling, um, stressed to the point where you are bordering into overwhelm, 
where you feel like you're having some chronic stress issues, adrenal fatigue, whatever that could look like for you, you probably know this rings true if you've listened this far into the episode. Um, if it rings true for you, uh, you would know if you're experiencing that and and I trust you and believe you regardless of what your diagnosis is. But from a standpoint of being accurate, I had to kind of explain all of those nuances Um, yeah, so suffering, if you're suffering, um, feeling disconnected from your work, feeling exhausted, feeling like you have more things to do than you can handle and just working harder doesn't feel like the answer because either you're too exhausted to, like, you know, if you were to rest, you would be more effective. Um, those kind of concerns are what I'm talking about where like, you know, if you were to rest, you would be more effective, but it's, you're having a hard time resting because you just have so much on your plate. That is what I'm talking about here. That experience, whether that is from burnout or depression or adrenal fatigue or stress or overwhelm or whatever it is, that's the experience that I'm talking about. And so in yoga philosophy, that would just kind of be conceptualized as suffering just in general, if you're suffering. So suffering, this is something I actually plan to do a wisdom talk about, and I'm saving all these ideas for wisdom talks for when I'm on maternity leave. So when I, you know, am bored and feel like I have some time to talk, if I'm like nap trapped, you know, when you're got a new baby and they nap on you a lot and I can do wisdom talks when I'm nap trapped. So I have ideas of things to to talk about and say, so I sound intelligent, um, (laughs) when I do those. So the difference between pain and suffering and where that comes from in yoga philosophy is something I plan to cover. I'm not going to try to cover it all right here because it's pretty, it's enough for me to do a whole talk on it. Um, you know, like just the, the notion that pain is never inevitable, but suffering is optional. This is kind of like what I was talking about with stress versus overwhelm. Like we're going to have to go through stress. We're going to go through hard stuff. We can't, that's our human contract. They like, we have to work through karmas. We can't just never be stressed or never have pain. Um, but what we can do is not, um, conflict ourselves or inflict ourselves with suffering from that pain. And we have some tips and strategies to do that. And I recognize with like work related stuff, sometimes it can feel out of your control. And like, like I've been saying with my example about my kid and stuff, it's like, I have all these goals and things for my business that this podcast is a part of like teaching yoga and astrology and um, I'm, it feels out of my control because, you know, my kid had to be homesick from daycare and, um, I'm giving birth soon and I don't really have control over when that happens exactly or any idea, you know, cause I like to go naturally into labor and that's my choice. And if you make a different choice, that's fine. But I'm just saying that's the choice I've made. So, so I get you that sometimes things feel out of your control. Um, but that's kind of the idea of the yoga principles I'm I'm getting ready to share with you is how to kind of cope so that you don't feel so exhausted so that you can find some productive rest because I see all this stuff out there all the time um, about how valuable self-care is. And that's why I was actually wrestling with the episode for this week. I was like, I want to talk about something like self-love as like the highest form of self-care, you know, because Valentine's Day coming up, whatever. Um, but that just feels cheesy to me sometimes, especially when I'm coming from a state of burnout and I'm like trying to think of what I'm going to say on an episode like that. It didn't feel very authentic to me. So I was like, um, sometimes self-care is not very effective if you are feeling burnt out. Taking a Epsom salt bath, I've said this before, is not going to really help you if the life that you return to as soon as you get out of that bath is like still just as stressful and you spend the entire time in the bath like maybe your body's unwinding but your mind's not or vice versa um you know so those things kind of happen and that's in my opinion from my own experience and from everything I've read about it that is burnout or overwhelm when your regular self-care techniques um like doing your yoga practice or breath work or meditation or Epsom salt baths or getting a pedicure or whatever, like cute little Instagram self-care shit you want to do, um, which is good. Like all that stuff is good. It's fine to do, but sometimes it doesn't feel like true, you know, 
So sometimes what our self-care needs to be is like realigning our life so that we don't have to experience a state of burnout or overwhelm. And that's tricky. And I had to really sit with this myself before I could even record an episode about it, right? So I'm just going to quickly explain the astrology piece of where this comes into play. Um, And just know that actually, so this comes, before I talk about astrology, this comes from the Bhagavad Gita, what I'm going to talk about. This little remedies and and anecdotes and stories and things from yoga philosophy. There could be a lot of them to choose uh, about how to deal with this. That's kind of the beauty of all the ancient texts is like you can find answers to almost anything anywhere. Um, It's like kind of like when the student is ready, the teacher appears, you read these ancient texts. They're like most of them you can kind of interpret it in whatever way is like really helpful for you. And that's the fun part of it, especially the sutras. But um, the one I'm choosing is pretty much the whole story of the Bhagavad Gita, which if you don't know, quick rundown, um, it's basically a story of a deity, Krishna, telling a regular guy, a person, Arjuna, how to not feel suffering around this hard thing he's about to have to do. Um, and it comes down to um, some some topics I've done on this podcast before, like Abhyasa and Vairagya, doing your work diligently without attachment to the outcomes. That's one of the biggest themes, um, removing your attachment to outcomes. and But then also another big theme of it is aligning with your dharma or like your life purpose path to and upholding your karmas. So I also, it's worth noting here, just a quick explanation of those words because I feel like they get kind of co-opted and misused a lot in our culture. So karma is not like, like, you know, karma's a bitch. Like you do, it's not like a universal like transaction, you know, or like you do a bad thing and you wait for their karma to get them. Like that's how we use it in the West. But what it really means from like yoga philosophy is, um, like you're born with a certain set of lessons that you have to work through and those are your karmas and Hinduism and yoga philosophy, it comes from past lives, but I don't think you have to, um, believe in past life, you know, or reincarnate reincarnation. I don't think you have to subscribe to that to like see value in this, that like most of us have lessons that keep resurfacing, resurfacing repeatedly throughout our lives. And those could be looked at as like your karmas, Um, and you can work through them and break the cycle, but then sometimes, you know, you kind of evolve and then they end up showing up in different ways. And we can see that from astrology. So that's where, um, I just want to briefly touch on the astrology piece because I really explained it in depth in the Rahu and K2 episode over on Yogi Scopes podcast that released this week. So I'm not going to go into it too much here, but I just want to say that, um, You can use astrology to focus on what season you're supposed to be in in your life. And you can, one of the easiest, biggest ways to do that is see what Rahu and K2 are doing. And you can go listen to that episode to um, get more insight into what that means if you care, or you could get a reading and I'll just tell you Um, because there's more nuances to it too, like what the other planets are doing. But Rahu and K2 are said to be the karmic indicators. So they kind of indicate what. You can look in your birth chart where they are to see what kind of karmas you're going to have coming up repeatedly throughout your life. Um, But you can look at where they're transiting, like where they're in the sky now, and they're getting ready to change. And I suspect that that is behind why a lot of us feel like we're in this liminal space because we're on the precipice of this big change. We're about to go through like a big karmic shift like next month. And as of Monday, next Monday, the like Valentine's Day, um... We will start, we're already starting to see like inklings of that shift. And so I covered that, um, on the February outlook episode and then the Rahu and K2 episode. If you listen to those two over on the Yogi Scopes podcast, you can hear more about that, what I mean there. Um, but so there, just know there are ways to use the planets to kind of know what season you should be in to, to know what, are you wasting your energy, um, focusing on something that you shouldn't be focusing on you can kind of let that thing go and quit fighting the energy, Um, And that can lead to less burnout, 
but you can also follow the cycles of the moon. And I feel like that one feels a lot more accessible to people because that information is kind of just ubiquitous in our society. It's just everywhere. Like everybody knows when a full moon is and a new moon, like even people who aren't into astrology at all, I won't say everybody, but like if you were to start wanting to know, you would notice that it's everywhere. Um, and then you, with Vedic astrology, you can use um, nakshatras, the lunar mansions where the moon is, because those change just about every day to kind of like reflect, do some self-study on what the energy cycles are like for you so that you can work better with that energy. So that's kind of like what I talked about with Shelby Moon. That's the nature of her work, using the moon cycle to get energetic guidance so that you're not um, beating yourself up for not showing up in a way that might not be aligned for you on a certain day. Because I think we all like, we go through phases and ebbs and flows and um, it's okay to rest sometimes and to like look into that and um, create times to rest in a way that doesn't just take us away from you know, reaching for our goals, you know, sometimes we do need to put ourselves under stress, like intentionally. Um, and it can't just all be rest and relaxation. That's also described in like the four aims of life. Um, I did an episode about that, like Dharma, Artha, Moksha, Kama. So Kama is pleasure. Dharma is your life path, service to others, service to the greater good. Artha is the, um, like pursuit of wealth and material comforts and, um, moksha is the pursuit of like spiritual awakening. And those are like seen to be the four aims of light. Like we always have to kind of be focusing on one or, you know, usually like one takes the forefront and you can use astrology. That's actually the Dharma worksheet that I always have linked in the show notes. If you've ever wondered what that is, that helps you um, piece together based on your birth chart. Or just, if you don't want to use your birth chart, it has some prompts and questions and little flow chart thing you can fill out um, to kind of help figure out what you should be focusing on right now. So that's another tool you can use. Um, basically, so I just made that Bhagavad Gita story. I kind of wrapped it in together with the astrology, um, piece. So, so basically the notion behind the Bhagavad Gita is that we can create suffering for ourselves when we have, um, when we mistake our identity, we think we're like, um, we're, we're not living in alignment with our dharma, basically. Like, if we're living for somebody else or like, um, and so sometimes, like, I recognize that sometimes that's just the case. Like, I have a kid. I have to, to some degree, live for my kid. Like, you know, I can't just be totally selfish all the time. I have to, like, make choices based on what's going to be best for my kid and my family. And I think that is good. That's actually the last solo episode. I kind of talked about that. Like we should not just be selfish all the time. We have to live in community and sometimes we need to do what's best for other people too, that might not feel like what's best for us in any given moment. And it's a tricky balance. Um, and that's part of Dharma, right? Is like, um, not just selfishly serving what's going to make us Moksha is like our own individual spiritual path, and we do need to work towards that. But Dharma is like, what can we do in life that's going to serve the greater good? And so I, I say all that because, like, your work might not feel aligned with your Dharma, and that could be a source of burnout. Or um, you could be working through some karmas and you're with your actions, like, trying to fight against those. And if you could, like, tap into what they are in the moment, which astrology is a great tool for that. Um, but so is just, I mean, journaling and self-reflection, svadhyaya. Like this is what I meant when I said I had to kind of sit with this and sort through this, like what self-care practices were working or not working for me. Like it felt a little bit like I was trying to fight the kind of karmas I have going on right now around being a mom. Like I really want to be a working professional, but, um, you know, I'm about to give birth, which is pretty freaking huge. And I'm going to need to take some time off. And like a part of me is like fighting that. Um, and I would have a lot easier time and a lot less suffering and mental turmoil if I would just accept it for what it is and get a little bit more realistic about what I can do to further my professional life without, um, being so attached to the outcomes. Right. 
Um, and I think that's that's kind of what I'm describing. And you can take that and apply it to your own life. I hope that example helps make sense. Like, like I wasn't just trying to talk about myself this whole time just to do it. Like I, was, I always try to give an example either from my own life or whatever to help you understand. Maybe you can apply this stuff to your life. Like maybe um, you have something going on where you feel more pulled towards your home life. Or maybe you have something going on where you feel more pulled towards your work life. Um, and your home life has to take a back burner. Like that's work-life balance. You know, it could be any number of things or where you feel really drawn to, uh, working on yourself and that pulls you away from your relationship, like all these things. Um, it could be something like that. And when you're kind of fighting against the energies at play, you don't necessarily have to use astrology to like figure that out. Um, you could just do some deep journaling work or just like really get honest with yourself or have somebody else help you step outside of yourself in whatever way that looks like talking with a therapist or getting an astrology reading or talking with a friend, whatever. Um, we all need that like objective perspective to help get outside of ourselves so we can sort through that. Um, but astrology is just another good tool to feel more aligned with the energies at play. So we're not fighting them because when you're fighting what's going on, um, you just create unnecessary suffering for yourself and exhaustion and overwhelm and burnout. And so, um, I'm like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I recognize sometimes it's out of your control. Like, you could have a boss or whatever that is, like, it's a bad culture work environment. And so what do you do with that? Do you just try to work with the energy in the best way you can? You know, sometimes we can't always just up and quit our job. But maybe you can start looking for a different one. You know, this can just set the ball in motion um, when you become aware, you can make changes. You can't always make the changes overnight. And I'm not trying to give that impression, but the awareness does help. So yoga practices for this. Interestingly, um, adrenal fatigue, the yoga practices we have for adrenal fatigue are mostly things that still stimulate the kidneys. Um, so some examples would be, um, you would do child's pose over a bolster and you would put either a sandbag or a folded blanket right over your kidneys, um, like on your back. So right kind of at the bottom of your rib cage on your back. Um, and you would just lay there like a restorative pose. Like that's an example. So I'm not going to walk you through all of the whole sequence because I don't see a whole lot of value in just explaining yoga poses to you in this audio only format, but just know that like, um, yoga practices that stimulate the kidneys are indicated for adrenal fatigue. And so I also, in the name of being accurate, I recognize that in, in a long time, for a long time, people have always said, yoga teachers have always said, doing twisting poses, wring out your organs and detoxify your body. And now we know that that's like not technically true, right? And there's a lot of people in the yoga world that are like, I wish everyone would quit saying it. It's just complete bullshit. But so it's not like totally true that like you put a sandbag on your kidneys and child's pose that you're going to like flush your kidneys. Like that's not exactly what's going to happen. But when you put pressure on a place in your body and then remove the pressure, it brings blood flow there, which in yoga philosophy that's called prana, called life force energy. In science, blood flow is where oxygen and nutrients, you know, that's how they get around your body. So increasing blood flow to an area is definitely beneficial, right? So like there is something to it. It's kind of like what I was talking about with adrenal fatigue. Like it's not like 100% scientifically accurate, but there's something to it. And so I think there's value in like understanding it that way. So if you can do poses that put kind of like pressure on the kidneys, like twisting poses, I, I do think there will be value in that. I really do. Um, and just know that it's not for the reason, like, not 100% true that when you twist that it rings out your organs. That's not like really what's happening, but um, it will be helpful. Um, it will, it is invigorating. Like try to do a practice heavy on twisting and core work and back bends that activate the kidneys and tell me that that's not invigorating. Um, I have an embodied understanding of that, that it is, and a lot of other people do too, because it's what's being taught in a lot of places. And so I just think that's true. I think, you know, we don't have any scientific evidence that it's true because nobody's done a study on it. 
Um, but I do think there's something to it and I think it's true. But then, um, some other, so if you want some more ideas with that, that's like the, that's what you could do in a yoga therapy session with me, which unfortunately I'm closing my books in about two weeks, um, for about two months. I will not be available for one-on-one sessions, but just, you know, put that in your brain for later. This is the kind of stuff I would show you plenty of practices. And, um, once I come back from maternity leave, I will be more inclined to like start making YouTube videos and stuff, um, for you to practice this kind of stuff. So if you want it, reach out to me and I'll put it on the list of things to do. Um, but then some other types of practices that are indicated for adrenal fatigue, um, are supported standing poses. And so that requires a yoga wall. In most cases, there are some that you can do with a strap, like hooked through a door or something. Um, and if that doesn't make any sense to you, then don't worry about it. It's like I was saying, it's more guidance than I can give you in this audio only format. I would really have to like see you and you'd have to see me and stuff to explain it. Um, but the idea is if you can formulate a practice that is, um, not just completely restorative because that's going to feel like too much. If you are burnt out to the point where you feel like you have so much to do, but you don't have the capacity to do it, just sitting still is probably going to feel unproductive. It's going to stress you out more. You're going to be stressing about your stress while you're trying to de-stress. So if you can do more active type things, um, like, so this is what you could probably do at home just to give you an example is like a supported warrior three. So if you have like a bar countertop, like something that hits right at, um, waist height for you and you can lay your upper body on that surface and then put like a stool or something underneath your legs so that you're making a warrior three shape and you can prop up with pillows and blankets and stuff to make it more comfortable so that you're doing a warrior three shape. So you're standing, you're active, you're not completely passive and restful. Um, but you, aren't having to use your muscles completely all the way, um, that is what's going to kind of ease you into relaxation. So the same idea applies if you can do a, um, so for some people, myself included, I think this is why I enjoy vinyasa yoga. Like we have to like burn off energy before we can relax. So that would be another, like a flow and restorative type class would be a really good, use of that energy to like burn off some energy and then, and then be able to settle in and relax. Um, because I think just trying to force yourself to relax is not going to be productive. And then just a few pieces for, um, like yoga practices from, for depression, because I think, like I said, there, there's some overlap between burnout and overwhelm and depression. Um, and depression just tends to be a little more severe, involves some more things. And that's not, um, my job to get into right now. Um, but so just quick note, and I'll cover this more on, I'll eventually do a yoga, uh, a whole episode on yoga for depression and I'll do one on yoga for anxiety. Um, and if you reach out to me and you want those sooner, I'll try to make them happen sooner. Right now I don't have them scheduled on the calendar, but if you want them really soon, just reach out to me. I love to hear from y'all. So yoga philosophy has a few different ways to conceptualize depression. And I think this makes sense. Um, tamasic versus rajasic. So if you're familiar with the gunas, Sattva is like pure, and that's what we strive for. We want to be pure in body and thought and mind and spirit um, and just feel good, right? And breathing, like doing pranayama is a way to become more sattvic, to purify our energy. And so tamasic is like when you're too active, or sorry, that's not vice versa. Rajasic is when you're like too active, like over imbalance of the fire element. Um, so that would be like when you're so stressed that you um, – want to just try to like spin your wheels kind of, but you're not getting anywhere. And then tamasic is more like, um, you feel paralyzed, you feel like stagnant. And so the practices and implications will be different depending on, you know, whether you're in more. So this can also be seen with the the doshas. Like you might have most depression is seen as like a kappa imbalance, like you're too stagnant. 
Um, but it can be a pitta imbalance. And I think that more closely resembles adrenal fatigue where you're just like doing too much. You have too much to do. So you just try to do more and you're not being productive. Um, and then there's also vata imbalance depression. So I'm not going to go into all of that right now because it's not really what I'm talking about. Um, but it's kind of related. And so I just want to say the most important piece for building a yoga practice to help with depression that I think could help with also burnout or overwhelm or adrenal fatigue is this quote from my teacher's teacher. Um, and this is in the Iyengar lineage. And I, I forget, actually, I apologize the name. Uh, I forget the name of the person who actually said it, but because um, I just jotted it down, my teacher said it and it said his teacher said it, um, that you can't be depressed with closed armpits. And we did a heart opening practice and not just heart opening as in like arms out to the sides, but also heart opening as in, um, like if you can think, put your hand kind of like in your armpit, like on your pec muscle and roll that whole portion forward. So like pec opening, um, and so there's a lot, there's a lot to it, um, that I have, I can't really explain right here in this audio only format, but, um, just try to do a heart opening practice and see if you don't feel invigorated. So all that is to say the practices that would be indicated yoga poses, it would be indicated for this backbends, heart openers, um, anything that's like supported, but still kind of active or doing a, um, like a flow and restorative type thing where you like burn off some energy and then, and then settle down and relax. Um, is going to be really helpful to build your practice to deal with this. But then from a more, um, you know, like journaling standpoint, um, you could work, you could use the Dharma worksheet that's always linked in the show notes. If you haven't already, it's good to revisit every once in a while to see where are you fighting the energies? Where are you doing something that is not super aligned or get an astrology reading, um, to kind of figure out what shifts you could make or what shifts are coming up for you astrologically um, so that you're not fighting the energies. So yeah, that was a lot. I hope that was helpful. Um, so next steps would be to do a heart opening or back bending practice, um, do the Dharma worksheet or get an astrology reading or start with the most recent episodes of the Yogi Scopes podcast to try and decipher for yourself what energies are kind of at play. Um, yeah. And then take care of yourself, you know, don't, uh, like remove some expectations is what I'm saying. Um, and it's easier said than done to find a way to relax when, when it's hard to relax. That's what burnout is. Um, so most of the time it's going to involve removing some expectations. So that's it. I'm glad you're here. Please reach out to me. If you have any questions, please remember to always Keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Take care, y'all.